All right, back for another episode of Queued Up. It is Friday, October 21st, 2022. So glad that you guys can tune in whenever you are listening, whether it's the morning, the afternoon, or the evening. I really do appreciate all the support. Well, it was an exciting week of baseball. That's where we're going to start for the Yankees as they were able to win Game 5 of the ALDS. They beat the Guardians, and now... It is a slugfest against probably the best team in the MLB in the Houston Astros. As it stands right now, the Yankees down two games to nothing against the Astros after losing last night 3-2. to And the big swing of the bat was from Alex Bregman, a three-run home run that came early on in the game. And that ended up being the difference. He had that in that third inning, and then the Yankees responded with two runs And those two runs came off of an error by the pitcher, Framer Valdez. If it wasn't for that error, the Yankees would have been shut out because those were unearned runs. And then the night before, the Yankees only scored two runs. So you're talking about four runs over the course of two games and two earned runs over the course of two games, which, of course, is not going to get it done. If you were the Yankees coming into this game, you needed to get at least one And you needed this game in Game 2 that could have flipped the script. You heard Ron Darling talk about that in the broadcast for TBS, which the app for TBS is terrible. I'm streaming it on my Xbox, and it is just absolutely horrible. It skips, and it asks me every 30 minutes if I'm still watching. And then when I click yes, it times me out of the app. I have to go all the way out, go back in. So it's just a nightmare. I can't wait until I don't have to stream it on TBS anymore. But anyway, back to what I was talking about with what Ron Darling said, if the Yankees just got one, if they won last night against the Astros, the Yankees would have been in a really good spot heading back to New York, but instead it's two games to nothing, and you got your ace on the mound, and you absolutely need game three. Even if you didn't have Garrett Cole on the mound, you absolutely need to win this game or else it is over for the New York Yankees, and you can even make the case that it's over right now. The Yankees really want a chance. They need to at least take two out of three in New York. They haven't proven that they can win in Houston. So even if they take only two out of three, it's still going to be an uphill battle. So you need to sweep the Astros at Yankee Stadium and just win one in Houston on the way back next week, and you should be all set. But you absolutely need to take care of business, especially with Garrett Cole on the mound and Nestor Cortez will be on the mound for Game 5. It's just a matter of what the Yankees are going to do for that Game 4. But we know what the rotation is going to be for the Yankees. It'll be Cole, somebody, and then Nestor Cortez. As for the Astros, it's looking like it's going to be Lance McCullers, especially after the way he pitched against the Mariners back in the ALDS. But it also could be Christian Javier, who has had a fantastic year. And there was a one point in the year where that he had some Major League records for consecutive seven inning games or consecutive innings without giving up a hit it was some extraordinary record like that but Javier is a very good pitcher and I'm surprised we haven't seen him yet and he's only pitched one inning throughout the entire playoffs so that's how so that's how much pitching the Astros do have so that series is two nothing in favor of Houston as for the other series the NLDS between the Phillies and the Padres and I just still can't even fathom the fact that The Phillies and the Padres are in the playoffs, and the Mets are not, the Dodgers are not, 
and uh, the Braves are not. I mean, that's just insane how these two teams who flew under the radar all year are in the playoffs. And for the Phillies, they got the win in Game 1. And then for the Padres, they got the win in Game 2. The Phillies won Game 1 behind really good starting pitching by former Met, Zach Wheeler. And I still hold the belief that if Steve Cohen was the owner just a year before Zach Wheeler went to the Phillies, he would still be on the Mets. Lord knows the Mets could certainly use him. But um, big storyline in this game was Schwarber, who hit it one of the furthest home runs that I've ever seen. It almost broke StatCast. I think he hit it 119 miles an hour to right field. And if you haven't seen it yet, I encourage you to go look it up because it was an absolute moonshot. And the Padres came back to win game two. They scored five runs in the fifth inning. It looked like the Phillies were going to win that game. They were up big 4 nothing early on in that game. And then the Padres had a scoring onslaught. They scored five runs, and they didn't look back. Josh Hader looks like he's regained form from when he was pitching with Milwaukee throughout the beginning part of this year and, of course, in the years leading up to this year. So that'll be huge for the Padres. I am absolutely rooting for the Padres to beat the Phillies. I need the Phillies out of it. And then I want the Astros to beat the Yankees, which they're certainly on their way to doing that. And then once we get to the World Series, I would probably be rooting for the Astros. Of course, it's not great because the Astros cheated, and I just and I just don't necessarily like the Astros, but I got to pick the lesser of two evils. And for me, that is the Astros over the Yankees and the Padres over the Phillies, and then the Astros over the Padres just because the Padres beat the Mets. But I also would not be too unhappy if the Padres didn't end up winning the World Series. I really wouldn't because the Padres, they haven't been there in a while. They're without Fernando Tatis, so it's kind of like that underdog story, a team that you know wasn't supposed to go this far. Might as well just win the whole thing. I don't really even care. Just as long as the Yankees don't win it and the Phillies don't win it, I'll be fine. On to basketball, we talked about it a little bit on Monday, Knicks and Nets, they played a couple days ago, and they both lost. The Knicks were actually down by 18 in the second half, but then came all the way back and lost in overtime to the Memphis Grizzlies. John Morant looks really good, Um, but for the Knicks side, I like Julius Randle, he looked okay. Uh, He kind of drove me crazy with the first couple possessions of the game, the first possession of the game. This was literally what he did. He just got the ball, turned around, and clanked a mid-range jumper, a turnaround jumper with his back to the hoop. Terrible opening shot. And, of course, I was thinking, are we going to see this throughout the entire year? Julius Randle doing that. That's what we saw all of last year, and that's what us Knicks fans grew to hate. Him hogging the ball for the entire possession and then just hucking up a turnaround jumper that has absolutely no chance of going in, and he did it right out of the gate. Can't make it up. But he did end up playing pretty well. Another player that played really well was Jalen Brunson. I think he had the jitters throughout the first half. Couldn't hit a shot to save his life. But then you kind of saw the fruition of Jalen Brunson and what a good point guard can do for a team so point guard hungry as the Knicks have been. You just saw it in the end. It's not really going to show up on the stat sheet, but he is great at orchestrating the offense and running the offense. Um, making sure that everyone knows where to go, making the right passes, and he is just a smart, all-around player that this Knicks team desperately needed. So I'm happy that the Knicks do have Brunson. One other note about this game, R.J. Barrett needs to be better. 
I know it's one game. I know it's really easy to overreact the day after or two days after the game, but R.J. Barrett went 3 of 18 from the field. That cannot happen for your $100 million player. He is now the guy, and it'd be okay if he went 7 of 18 or 6 of 18 even, but to go 3 of 18, that's horrible. Like I said, it's okay to have bad games, but you cannot be as putrid as you were in that game. If R.J. Barrett was just slightly better, the Knicks would have won that game. So, Knicks will play tonight, and that game will be against Detroit at the Garden. So, the Knicks home opener. Hopefully, they win that one. As for the Nets, they got absolutely crushed by the New Orleans Pelicans. And I'll tell you what, Pelicans are going to be a sleeper team. I don't think a lot of people are talking about them, but they got Zion Williamson back, Brandon Ingram, and C.J. McCollum, who they traded for from the Trailblazers. This team is good, and the Nets got their doors blown off by the Pelicans. Kevin Durant was okay. Kyrie Irving was not good at all, and he needs to be better. And then Ben Simmons only played a little bit. I think he was kind of on a pitch count, just trying to get him back into playing shape. So can't really get... Two into the nitty-gritty first game of the year. The Nets will play tonight. That'll be against the Raptors, and they are also in Brooklyn. So both games happening in New York. Going to be a tough time getting into the city, so plan accordingly. So we're already through some baseball, some basketball, and now I want to get to some football here. We'll start previewing the Jets versus the Broncos this weekend. The Jets 5-2 and two against the Broncos, who are very clearly struggling. And just to add fuel to the fire, Russell Wilson was limited at practice. He's dealing with an injury. And it looks like he is going to be a game-time decision for Sunday at 4 o'clock. And that certainly bodes well for the Jets. It's not really earth-shattering news considering the play that Russell Wilson has shown this year. He's looked terrible. Um, But the backup quarterback is Brett Rippon, and he played last year or two years ago. I can't remember, but he I remember he actually played pretty well. So that'll be something that the Jets are going to have the game plan for. It's definitely better than facing Russell Wilson, who has shown in the past that he can at least have some magic. But it just has not clicked this year for whatever reason. And as much as the flack that we want to give Nathaniel Hackett, and he certainly deserves a lot of it, a lot of it is Russell Wilson. We clearly see on film that he is just not finding the open receiver. There's been three instances where Russell Wilson, in a big moment, just has not seen the open receiver. And it's turned into a meme on Twitter that he's just not finding the guy. For whatever reason, he's just not going through his progressions. Troy Aikman even talked about it on Monday Night Football. And how many times are the Broncos going to be on primetime football? Like, enough with the Denver Broncos. Like, we don't want to see that terrible offense play. The defense is good, but we do not want to see the Broncos every single week. It's either they're on Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, Thursday Night Football— like enough with the Denver Broncos. And I know there's like three or four more primetime games that the Broncos have too, but nobody wants to see the Denver Broncos. I would rather see the Washington Commanders over the Denver Broncos at this point because at least they have a pulse. But it is the Jets against the Broncos on Sunday. And big news coming out of Jets camp actually kind of came across in the afternoon yesterday. Elijah Moore, he has requested a trade from the New York Jets. So 
here we are thinking that it's all rainbows and butterflies in Jetsland, but it's not for Elijah Moore. I saw on Twitter last week that he responded to a tweet from a Jets reporter that said one of the glaring stats about the Jets' win against the Green Bay Packers was that Elijah Moore was not even targeted. And he responded back and said, yeah, I don't get it either, but a good win for the Jets. I'm not going to talk about that. But apparently it's gotten to him, and he's requested a trade. The Jets have responded, and they said that they're not even considering it at this point. How could you? I mean, this guy is in his second year. He's got a ton of potential. Last year, he was one of the big bright spots for the New York Jets. He made a lot of big plays. Uh, He had some monster weeks, three or four monster weeks for the Jets. And he really got Jets fans excited about this year, but for whatever reason, it is just not coming to fruition for Elijah Moore. They're not using him in the offense. They're using Braxton Berrios more than Elijah Moore. And I don't get it personally, but there's got to be something that this coaching staff is seeing that is not getting him onto the field. And right now, I don't really care because the Jets are winning, but Elijah Moore, he's just got to stay with the process. The Jets are going to need him at some point. Inevitably, there will be injuries, and they're going to need him, especially with how explosive he is offensively. Like, How could a team not use a guy like Elijah Moore? He's going to be needed, so I think the Jets are doing the right thing. Keep him on the team. Try to please him. Get him some targets this week. How about you just get him some targets just to try to keep him on the team, keep him happy? Because you know it doesn't it doesn't hurt giving him the ball the way that he can make plays and that we've seen even earlier this year but last year most definitely we saw him make a ton of plays and that's what Jets fans were really most excited to see year one to year two Elijah Moore and Zach Wilson so that was the big story out of Jets camp yesterday as for the Giants they will be playing the Jags and That line has kind of stayed at plus three, so the Jags favored by three. And one thing that I didn't mention about the Jets game, on Monday I said that the Jets, they were underdogs, and they were given three and a half points. That line has now moved to Broncos minus one. So that has moved two and a half points, as I predicted on Monday. But I also said the Giants were going to move the needle on that line too, and that being more even. But no, it has just stayed at minus three. And the Giants aren't getting really any respect. The Jets are getting a little bit more respect, but that also could be because Russell Wilson is questionable in a game-time decision, so it could move a couple points there. But Giants versus Jags, I love Dable. He has to be the coach of the year. If you take a look at this roster, this Giants team is certainly does not have a lot of talent. This was supposed to be a rebuild year for them, but they are 5-1. and one. If you're a Giants fan, you have got to be ecstatic about where they are and about the prospects of this team. I mean, if they're 5-1 and one with this team that they're trotting out there every week, what are they going to be like when they actually can have an entire draft class, can actually go out and sign some free agents, can build and bring in the players that this team seems fit? So I think the Giants, if it doesn't happen this year, they're certainly going to be able to make some runs at the playoffs, especially with this coaching staff. I just love it. I even like it better than the Jets coaching staff. Robert Sala has made some questionable calls, but really, if you look at what Dable has done, like how many questionable calls has he had? Like He has been picture-perfect managing games, putting Daniel Jones in the right mindset to succeed. This offense, although it's not pretty, it is doing enough to get by. 
I think the defense has been outstanding. It's one of the main reasons why they are winning all these games. And this Jaguars team, definitely another beatable team on the Giants' schedule. The schedule has certainly been favorable for the Giants. The Giants have faced a lot of teams on their bad weeks and just a lot of teams in general that are just weaker this year. And the Jags have kind of been up and down. They started off really well, but have kind of fallen off. They lost to the Colts last week. But this is certainly another game that the Giants can win. And as for New York sports in general, the Jets should be able to beat the Broncos. That game is at 4 o'clock in Denver, and the Giants are in Jacksonville playing the Jaguars. Now it's time for the picks of the week. We are running out of time here on the podcast, but we should have some time to at least make the picks and then give a little bit of some analysis. So the first pick of the week is going to be Titans against the aforementioned Indianapolis Colts. I am taking the Titans minus the two and a half. These games are always a slog to watch, these divisional matchups between the Titans and the Colts. And it's kind of weird, too. The Titans played the Colts a couple weeks ago, and they're playing again just two weeks later. I mean, how many times have you seen that? Already week seven, and you are done if you're the Titans playing the Colts. In the past, the Colts have gotten the better of the Titans, but the Titans beat the Colts last week, and I think they beat them again. Colts are given two and a half points, but I don't even care. I think the Titans will cover the two and a half. And even though Jonathan Taylor is back, I think a lot of people are going to be riding the Colts. But the Titans have their own Jonathan Taylor, and that is Derrick Henry. Game number two, Chiefs against the Niners. That game is at 4 o'clock or 425. And big news actually dropping late last night. Christian McCaffrey traded to the 49ers. So that'll certainly give the 49ers a little bit of a jolt offensively. And they certainly needed it. Jeff Wilson had a fumble last week. And he's been kind of in the doghouse. And the 49ers have been searching for a running back since Elijah Mitchell went down with an injury. And I think they found their guy in Christian McCaffrey. Niners giving away three draft picks, a second, third, and a fourth. And that will totally change how this offense is run. They were using Debo Samuel at running back, and now he can split out wide, and Christian McCaffrey can catch the ball out of the backfield. It just gives this 49ers offense another dimension. That all being said, I'm still taking the Chiefs, minus the two and a half. I love the Chiefs all year. I loved them even last week in Buffalo. I still think that they are the team to beat in the AFC, even though they lost last week. I don't really even care if Christian McCaffrey plays or not. I think Ian Rappaport said that he's going to be playing a little bit, maybe some red zone packages. But even if he did play, I am taking the Chiefs minus the two and a half over the 49ers all day, every day, just because the Chiefs are my Super Bowl favorite. And even with Christian McCaffrey on the 49ers, I think that definitely gets the Niners to win the division out of the NFC West. But I don't think it's going to help them for this game. Last game is Sunday night football, and the Steelers plus seven against the Dolphins. Yes, I'm taking the plus seven with the Steelers. They stunned a lot of people last week beating the Buccaneers. I know two is back, but the Dolphins have lost three in a row. I love the Steelers to at least cover, especially with Trubisky re-energized in this Steelers offense. Well, that'll do it for me on this Friday edition of Queued Up. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy all the sports. You got baseball. You got football, you got basketball, you got hockey. So much going on 
I will be back on Monday to recap it all.